0: Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is April 13th. I wanted to start out today, you guys, by making a correction on something that I said yesterday. And I apologize, it was super confusing. I knew exactly what I meant when I said it and I was still confused by what actually came out of my mouth. Yesterday, I said that from here on out, from Mosiah on out, it's third person. And that's totally not what I meant. What I meant was that from Nephi up until Words of Mormon, it's entirely first person. But from Mosiah till the end of the Book of Mormon, we get these third person narratives from Mormon. So I'm super sorry if that caused anyone any confusion. Like I said, I knew what I meant and it still confused me. But I hope that makes more sense to you now. So I want to continue today in our study of Mosiah chapter 1. Yesterday we talked about King Benjamin and his desire to teach his sons the language of their fathers so that they could understand the scriptures and learn to love the scriptures. Today I want to talk about something that King Benjamin desired for his people. King Benjamin's famous for gathering his people at the temple and preaching that beautiful sermon. But let's take a look at what some of his intentions were on calling that gathering. So let's take a look at verses 10 and 11 in Mosiah chapter 1. It says, Therefore he, speaking of King Benjamin, had Mosiah brought before him, and these are the words which he spake unto him, saying, My son, I would that ye should make a proclamation throughout all this land, among all the people, or the people of Zarahemla, and the people of Mosiah, who dwell in the land, that thereby they may be gathered together. For on the morrow I shall proclaim unto this, my people, out of mine own mouth, that thou art a king and a ruler over this people, whom the Lord our God hath given us. And moreover, I shall give this people a name, that thereby they may be distinguished above all the people which the Lord hath brought out of the land of Jerusalem. And this I do, because they have been a diligent people in keeping the commandments of the Lord. So he wanted to gather those people for two reasons. The first reason was he wanted to proclaim Mosiah Mosiah as the king. But I think that that's a really neat thing, that King Benjamin wanted the people to hear out of his own mouth that Mosiah was to be the king. It makes me wonder if maybe Mosiah wasn't the oldest child or something that the people would have second guessed his appointment, but that King Benjamin wanted to appoint him from his own mouth so that the people would accept him as the king. I don't know. Total speculation. But these are the things from the Book of Mormon that keep me up at night. (laughs) Wondering things like this. Just super interesting to me. The second reason was King Benjamin wanted to give his people a name. Now, I have that scripture cross-referenced to Mosiah 5, verse 8, and we'll take a look at Mosiah 5 later. But just so we understand the context of what he's about to say, King Benjamin teaches this incredible sermon about Christ and about their responsibilities to act according to their beliefs. And in verse 5, he asks them if they believe the things that he has taught, and they say that they do believe. Now in verse seven, he says, because of the covenant, which ye have made. So because of your belief, because of your agreement to live in this way. And then in verse eight, it says, I would that ye should take upon you the name of Christ, all you that have entered into the covenant with God, that ye should be obedient unto the ends of your lives. So this new name that he wanted to give the people, back in chapter 1, verse 11, is he wanted to give the people the name of Christ. He wanted them to take the name of Christ upon themselves. Now keep in mind, according to verse 11 in chapter 1, these people were already diligent covenant keepers. They were already obedient to the commandments of the Lord. These were not investigators to the gospel. These were not new to the teachings of Christ. So the covenant which they've made and the name of Christ which was being given, that was something higher that was being given. In the April 1985 conference, President Oaks gave a talk called taking upon us the name of Jesus Christ. And in that, he was talking about renewing our baptismal covenants by taking the sacrament. And he says, We do not witness that we take upon us the name of Jesus Christ. Rather, we witness that we are willing to do so. The fact that we only witness to our willingness suggests that something else must happen before we actually take that sacred name upon us in the ultimate and most important sense. So these people were making a higher covenant with our Father in heaven. They were receiving the name of Jesus Christ as part of that covenant. Name changes associated with covenants is not new doctrine. It's a restored doctrine. We see it several times throughout the Bible. Some of the most prominent ones are Abram being changed to Abraham. His wife Sarai's name was changed to Sarah. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Simon's name was changed to Peter. Now, it's interesting to look at the meanings of these different names. Abram means high father, whereas Abraham means father of a multitude. Sarai means princess. Sarah means mother of nations. Jacob meant holder of the hill, (laughs) which is a weird name, but he was the second born to Esau. And Israel meant triumphant with God. Simon means he who hears. And Peter means rock. So if you look at all these different name changes, it takes you from something that's good to something that's wonderful. Makes me think of what we can be on our own versus what we can be with God and through the strengthening power of our covenants. Abraham wanted to be a father, but with God, he was given the promise to be a father of the multitude. God wanted to give him greater blessings than he could receive on his own. And that's what our covenants do for us. They give us power and strength and gifts beyond our own measure, beyond what we can accomplish by ourselves. But so often in the Bible, we see that those covenants are associated with a name change. In fact, in the book of Revelations, chapter 2, verse 17, it says, "...to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written." which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it." So this idea of a name change being a covenant symbol is not new. It's an ancient and restored doctrine. But the thing that is so interesting about this, and about being given a new name, is that a name is a symbol of belonging. Children carry the name of their parents because they belong to those parents. When we get married, we change our name because we belong to this new family. King Benjamin wants to help his people enter into the sacred covenant. He wants to help them receive greater power and knowledge through their covenants. He wants to help them feel that they belong to the family of Christ. That belonging with him. That oneness with God, with Christ, and with the saints. That feeling comes through our covenants we obtain power and strength through our covenants. In 2009, Elder Bednar gave a talk called Honorably Hold a Name and a Standing. And in that talk, he talks about how when he was the president of BYU-Idaho, he used to have lots of people come and stay with him because they would be speaking at the Tuesday devotionals. And he said a lot of those people were emeritus 70s who had gone on to serve as temple presidents. And he said that one question that he always asked them was, what is something that you learned as a temple president that you wish you would have understood when you were a general authority? he said that there was always a consistent theme, and he summarized that theme like this. I have come to understand better the protection available through our temple covenants and what it means to make an acceptable offering of temple worship. There is a difference between church attending, tithe-paying members who occasionally rush into the temple to go through a session, and those members who faithfully and consistently worship in the temple. Now, my friends, we are living in a weird time, when all the temples are closed. But I cannot wait to return and see the power and strength that comes into my life as I make a point to more regularly attend the temple. Not so hurriedly, not so rushed, but to really take my time to regularly attend the temple. I remember as a missionary thinking that I finally understood why you had to go through the temple before you served a mission. Because I remember thinking that there was no possible way I could have done the things that I was asked to do as a missionary without the added strength of my temple endowment. I testify that our covenants protect us, that our covenants strengthen us, they empower us, and they help us fill that belonging to the family of God. I love my covenants and I'm so incredibly grateful for them. And I testify of the power that God wants to give us as we become his covenant people. Thank you so much for listening today, you guys. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.